Well, good morning. Welcome. It's a good day. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. Uh, for some reason, uh, there's, there's a little game, I think, that's going to be played later today. I don't know if you heard about it. Uh, the Chiefs, I think, are going to be in it. Yeah. So, wow, I didn't even hear very many boos. I saw some head shaking, but thank you. Thank you. I know some of you are probably confused when you came in and saw the back of my jersey and were like, I thought he was playing today. Because, like, there's so many similarities. But, no, it, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting. And, and I'll tell hey, hey, just go with the flow, Sharla. Let's go with the flow. But, uh, no, it's, it's an awesome day, day today. And, and as awesome as all that is, and, and I love it, and, and you guys know that I do, but what's even better than that is that we get to gather together and we get to worship together. And I can't think of anything better than that. And we get to do that every Sunday, regardless of who's playing in the Super Bowl. And so, yeah, uh, today is a good day. We're going to continue this morning in this series that we began uh, last week, actually. And we're simply uh, calling this We Are. And if you weren't able to join us last week, what we're talking about is we're, we're talking about our vision, who it is that we believe God has called us to be as a church. I, I shared last week, vision, I believe, is, is so important. And it's important for us, those of us who consider Connecting Point Church to be our church, uh, we, we all need to know this is who we are, and this is kind of where we're, we're headed. In fact, the writer of Proverbs says this. It's, he says that where there is no vision, the people perish. There's one translation that says it like this. It says, where there's no vision, then the people cast off restraint and they just run around wild. And in other words, what they're talking about is that when there is no, we don't have a shared vision, when there's no vision, then the result is we all just kind of head in different directions and we wind up pulling against each other rather than pulling in the same direction and accomplishing whatever it is that God has called us to accomplish. And so vision is very important. And in order to help us with that, because we, we, want, we don't want to be just kind of wandering all over the place and not accomplishing anything. And so in order to help us with that, a few years ago, we crafted a simple statement. In fact, we're going to put it up on the screen, and I'm going to invite you to read this out loud with me here in a moment. But, but this is who we believe God has called us to be. And, and the way we're going to do this this morning, I believe that there's power. And I, I shared last week that this vision, it, vision is something that we aspire to, so we don't always do it perfectly but there's also power in declaration. And so we're going to read this kind of in a declarative form saying we are, okay? So I want you to read this with me out loud. We got it up there? All right, here we go. We are a church where everyone belongs and can genuinely connect, grow, and serve Jesus and each other. We are. That's who we believe God has called us to be. And so if you've ever wondered what Connecting Point Church is all about, that's it. That is our target. This is who we believe God has called us to be. And of course, in that statement, there are four key words that have become very important uh, values or guiding words to us. Hopefully, these have become very familiar words to you. But uh, they are the words belong, connect, grow, and serve. 
Last week, we, we spent some time just talking on that, about that first word, belong, as we talked about uh, the incredible power that exists in creating an atmosphere of belonging. This morning, uh, we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit, and uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about the, uh, the power that exists and the importance of connecting, connecting. We firmly believe that one of the things that God wants for us is he wants Connecting Point to be a place where you can connect, first of all, with Jesus, but then secondly, with other people, with each other. Connecting, listen, this is so important, we made it part of our name, right? And so connecting is, is really important, and, and, and I believe that this is, this is so important. In fact, these are two, connecting with Jesus and connecting with each other, are probably two of the most important things that we need in life. And the reason why I believe that is because Jesus said they are. In fact, there's a story in Matthew 22 where it gives this account where, where Jesus is having this interaction with a religious leader, and this religious leader comes to him and he says, a teacher, what, what out of all of the commandments, which one do you say is the most important? Which one is the greatest? And I want you to notice how Jesus answered that. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, it says that Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. He says, this is the greatest commandment. But then he goes on to say, he says, but there's a second that is equally important. And that is love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus doesn't finish there. He goes on to say, he says, those two commandments, the entire law and all of the demands of the prophets are all based on these two commandments, love God and love other people. And so in other words, if we wanted to use the, the language that we use around here, we really, if you wanted to reduce what following Jesus is down to its bare minimum, you could say that it's all about being connected relationally to Jesus and being connected relationally to each other. That, that's really what it's all about, according to Jesus. Number one, we connect to Jesus. Now, now you've heard me say this before, but I, I'm convinced that there are really only two kinds of people in the world. We, we put all kinds of labels on people to divide us into groups, but when you really boil it down to, to what really matters, there's really only two kinds of people. Those who are connected to Jesus and those who are disconnected to Jesus. That, that's all there is. And I'm convinced that the, the mission and the mandate, the call of the church is for the connected to help the disconnected get connected. That's really what we're to be all about. That, that's what we do. It's the reason why, again, we call ourselves Connecting Point Church, because we firmly believe that, that our call is to be, each of us, a point of connection, pointing people towards Jesus, wherever we are, wherever we go, whatever we do. That's our call. There's nothing, there's nothing more important in this world than a person's relationship with Jesus. Nothing more important. 
There are all kinds of great things that we can do as a church and all, all kinds of great things we should do as a church. But we cannot forget that the most important thing is that we are intentional about pointing people to a relationship with Jesus, creating an atmosphere where people can experience and connect with Jesus. And I'm, I'm excited to tell you, I believe that that's happening. God is helping us with that. In fact, the, in this last year alone, we have helped 108 people make first-time commitments to Jesus. 108 people that at one point in time were disconnected to Jesus are now connected to Jesus because of the ministry of Connecting Point Church. There is nothing greater than that. I'm telling you, that's what we're called to do. And in fact, I would be curious uh, of this. I'm just wondering this morning, by show of hands, how many in this room that it was the ministry of Connecting Point Church that God used to either help you make an initial connection to Jesus or he's used the ministry of the church to deepen your connection to Jesus? How many here by raise a hand? Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, we say yay God to that. We need to celebrate when God is doing good. This is way more, exci this is way more exciting than y'all are, are y'all with me? Is this a bunch of 49ers fans out there or something? That, you're already grieving, man. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> Preachers aren't supposed to talk smack, are they? So, No, but this is exciting stuff, man. This is the stuff we need to celebrate. And it's not because of anything that we do other than the fact we want to put ourselves in a position for the Spirit of God to flow through us and use us. And I'm here to tell you that if God can use somebody like me, he can use anybody. Because that's what God, yeah, we got one amen on that. Is that Laura or Samantha? I don't know which one of you, but this is what we're called to do. And so there's nothing more important than connecting with, with Jesus, um, there, there are all kinds of verses that we can point. I know as a pastor, you're preaching a sermon. It's like, okay, you got to bring a verse in to prove the point, right? And there are all kinds of verses that we could use and point to to talk about uh, in regards of this. But I just want to show you one this morning, and then we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit. And I, wanna, I really want to spend the bulk of the time talking about our need to connect with each other because the reality is we, we talk about our need to connect with God every single week in some way, form, or fashion. But, but I want you to look at what Jesus says about his desire to connect with you. And I want to make this very clear. It is his desire to connect with you. That the whole idea was instituted and instigated by him. Jesus left the throne room of heaven to come to a broken planet because he wanted to connect with you. Jesus gave his life on a cross because he wanted to connect with you. And so this is his deepest desire. And so I want you to look at what Jesus says about this and what it really means. If you got your Bibles, open them to Matthew chapter 11, and we're gonna look real quick at the last three verses of this chapter. Jesus gives this incredible invitation. He says this, he says, come to me all who are weary and burdened. Come on. Anybody ever weary and burdened? <laughs> 
He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. And here's the promise. And I will give you rest. And I want to pause right here for just a moment. And I want to just say this right out of the chute. I want you to understand this morning that Jesus' desire is not to throw some kind of religious burden on you. That's not why he came. That's not why he shed his blood on the cross. In fact, that is one of the things that totally aggravated Jesus with the religious leaders of his day. Because the religion that these leaders were trying to push on the people, it had devolved into nothing more than than simply a, a long list of overwhelming rules and requirements that they could not keep. It became, this, it became this heavy burden. In fact, in other places, there's this reference to the law, the yoke of the law. We're going to get into the yoke here in just a second. But it's like the, the, this law had become a yoke around their necks that was impossible for them to bear. And, and when we think about that, so many people, when they think of what it means to identify with Christ or to be a Christian, that's really the view that they have. That following Jesus is, is nothing more than a long list of, of, of things that you want to do but you can't do. And even a longer list of things that you're supposed to do but it seems impossible to do. And it's just this, this heavy religious burden. Like, like, like you know, without, without Christ, I, I'm free to do whatever I want. I'm free to have fun. I can live my life with no restrictions, but, but following Jesus seems so cumbersome. And I believe that, that that thinking, that thought, is one of the greatest deceptions of the enemy. Because what he tries to do is, he tries to convince us the exact opposite of what is really true. Listen, I, I, and, I, and I speak from personal experience here. If you want to know what's cumbersome... Sin is cumbersome. If you want to know what leads to, to bondage, sin leads to bondage. Sin is what traps you and buries you and burns you out. Make no mistake about it. Jesus did not come to burden us with a bunch of weight that we could not carry. No, instead, he tells us right here, he came to lighten our burden and set us free. He, he came to those who were already weary from the, the weight of sin, the weight of life, who were worn out from trying to, to live life by their own strength and power. And he says, I've come to give you Rest. I don't know about you, but I like rest. <laughs> rest is a good thing. There are times where we just need a time of rest. And I love what Jesus is saying here because he didn't, he didn't say, I came to give you a time of rest or a season of rest. He said, I came to give you rest. Like perpetual Rest. <laughs> Man, that's a good thing. I came to give you rest. So, so how? How does Jesus do that? How can he even make that promise? How does he do that? He goes on and he says that if you'll take 
my yoke. Now, again, he's talking to some people who understood this. They're under the yoke of the law and the commandments and all these rules and regulations that they cannot fulfill. And Jesus says, if you'll take off that yoke and if you'll put on my yoke. Now, remember, he's already said the two greatest commandments are simply love me with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Just love me, love God, and love other people. If you'll take that yoke of loving me and loving other people on, and you'll take that other one off of you, he says, and then you'll learn from me. And I love this. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And again, here's a promise and you will find rest for your souls. And then he says these really incredible words. He says, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, now I know that Jesus is using an illustration here that unless you, you, know, you grew up on the farm, and a lot of us from Nebraska understand what a yoke is. It's not something that, that we use in modern times. But to the people that Jesus is speaking here, he's using an illustration that all of them would be totally uh, familiar with. He, he says, I want you to take my yoke upon yourself. Now, now, for those of you who may not know what that is, like if you're under 20 or something like that, maybe you don't know what that is, but, but, but a yoke was this wooden apparatus that would go around the neck of an animal, typically an ox in those days, and, and the yoke would then be connected to a wagon or a plow or some sort of a burden that the animal would then have to pull or carry. And there were a couple of things that a yoke did. First of all, a yoke provided a means of control over the animal. You have this, this strong animal who has its own mind, who has its own will, who has its own desires, who has its own direction that it wants to go. And so the yoke would give the farmer the ability to control the direction of the animal. This is the direction I want you to go. And he could lead the animal in that direction. And so when Jesus says, I want you to take my yoke upon you, one of the things that he's saying here is, he's saying, what I really want you to do is just simply give me control of the direction of your life. Just, just release control to me. And he says, if you'll allow me to direct you, I love this, he says, you can trust that I'm not going to be harsh. He says, I'm gentle and I'm humble. I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to be demanding and harsh, but instead I'm going to be gentle and humble. The original word that is translated here as humble is a word that in other places is translated as lowly or of low degree. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, if you'll just trust me, and if you'll willingly, now he's not going to force it on anybody, but if you'll willingly take my yoke upon you, then you've got to understand I'm not going to be like some kind of a harsh dictator demanding unreasonable things. But what I really want to do is I want to, because I know more than you know, and I see things that you don't see, I want you to allow me to direct your life, and I want you to know up front that the place that I'm going to lead you to is a place of rest. 
That's what my goal is for you. We sang earlier this song. I love that song that we sang about how God has good plans for us. As we follow his leading, as we trust his heart, that where he wants to lead us is to green pastures and quiet waters. But in order to get there, we got to follow his leading. So, so figuratively speaking, when, when we take on his yoke, what we're doing is we're saying we're just handing control over to him of our lives. Now, there was a second purpose of a yoke, and, and that is that whenever, whenever there was a burden that was attached to the yoke or whatever was being pulled, whenever that burden was too heavy for one animal to carry in its own strength, this is, the, this, uh, this is awesome. That then they would take a second animal. There would be a second ox that would be connected to the first. So now what was once too heavy for one to carry all by themselves is now possible because of the strength of another. That's really good. That's really good. Okay, we got a couple people who got that. What once was too heavy for us to carry in our own strength, when we yoke ourselves to Jesus, we don't have to rely on our own strength anymore because we got his. This is what Jesus is saying here. This is so incredible. His invitation is simply this. If you'll connect yourself to me, then all of the burdens in your life that are way too heavy for you to carry on your own. Anybody ever have any burdens that are too heavy to carry on your own? Those things that crush you? Those things that seem way too impossible for you to ever accomplish in your own strength? Jesus says, if you'll simply connect yourself to me, yoke yourself to me, then all of those things will be borne by me, carried by me, and accomplished by my strength. Woo, that's good. That's good preaching right there. That is so good. See, see the truth is, that you and I, we were created to live in that kind of relationship with God where we are connected to him, not relying. In fact, I think the apostle Paul understood this concept when he says these words. He says that in my weakness, his strength is revealed. For when I am weak, he is strong. It's this idea Paul understood, man, once I yoked myself to Jesus, I didn't have to rely on my own strength anymore, so it's not about me, it's about him. And all of a sudden, Paul experienced this reality that all the things that seem way too impossible for me to do, I can now accomplish, not because it's me, it's him working in me and through me. See, this is the way, this is, this is supposed to be normal. This is the normal Christian life. That we are connected to one who can carry and do and accomplish way more than we can. And in that, I just get this vision of just the one animal who comes in who is like way stronger. Because a lot of times what would happen is when they wanted to teach a young ox how to pull, they would take a weaker, younger ox and attach it to a stronger, more experienced ox. And really, it's the strong one that's doing all the work. The other one's just along for the ride. And so I imagine this rest, you know, that all of a sudden, I've yoked to Jesus. 
He's accomplishing what I can't accomplish, and I'm just along for the ride, man. What a way to live. We were created to live with that kind of connected to Jesus. We, we also were created to be connected to each other. Jesus said the greatest command is love God, but love other people too. Be in relationship with God, but be in relationship with other people too. This is the lie that the enemy wants you to believe is that not only can I do life without Jesus, but I can do life without other people. We were created to be connected. I shared this passage last week but one of the very first things God said after creating man is that it is not good for man to be alone. It's just been kind of hardwired into us. When we were created, this need for human connection. In fact, a few years ago, I read this study about, um, they, they were, these researchers were studying uh, mortality rates in babies in orphanages around the world. And they, they wondered why there were certain orphanages that had higher mortality rates than others. Because when they looked at them, nutrition was the same, the conditions were pretty much the same, all of these things were the same, except there were some that had higher mortality rates. And, and what they discovered was that in the orphanages where the babies weren't held, when they weren't hugged, when they didn't receive a, a smile, when they weren't communicated to, what they discovered is that those who were deprived of that human connection long enough, it resulted in a number of mental and physical deficiencies, and in, in extreme cases, sometimes even death. Now, now, don't miss this, because what these researchers discovered was actually something that followers of Jesus have known for 2,000 years. And that is that when God made you, he hardwired into you the need to experience human connection. Now, now what's interesting is that, that even though we live in a, a time in history where because of technology we have more opportunity to connect with more people than ever before, the sad reality is people are actually more disconnected than ever before in history. And, and while, while things like you know, social media uh, was intended to cause us to have more connections, to be more connected, in reality, what we're discovering is, is that the opposite is taking place. And I know some of you may be thinking, you know, well, I, how is that? Because like when I grew up, I had like five friends and now I have 3,000. <laughs> That's the problem, really. What, what we've seen happen is that many people have traded depth for width. It, 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 it's, it's, it's like the difference between uh, the Platte River and the Hudson River. The, the Hudson River is the deepest river in the United States. In fact, it's, it's over 200 feet deep in some areas, and we all know the Platte River, right? Like, like early settlers, I read this last week, that uh, early settlers, when they described the Platte River, they said, you're gonna come to this river that's a mile wide and an inch deep, and that's pretty much it. And, and, and so here's the deal. You gotta understand 
you were not created for Platte River type relationships. You were created for Hudson River relationships. River, Hudson River people are people who go deep. Hudson River people are who live out the mandate of the Bible to know and be known. And so if connecting with other people is this inherent need, and yet our culture is more disconnected than any other time in history, then the real question is, what's the answer? I mean, how do we fix that? Well, thankfully, God provided a solution. It's called the church. This is God's solution. See, see, when the church really functions in the way that God intended for the church to function, then we'll have the kind of relationships that we were created to have. And just as a reminder this morning, uh, whenever we talk about the church, hopefully by now you all understand this, but we're not talking about a building or an event. Church is not something that we go to. Church is something that we are. And so instead of a building or event, what we're talking about is a people. And you could say that the church is simply a group of people that you belong to rather than an event you go to or a building you go to. In order to drive that home, the Bible, I love, one of the things I love about the Bible, I'm kind of this way too, is that I need like pictures. I'm, I'm a visual person. And so there are all kinds of word pictures that the Bible gets us in order to understand what, what the true church is intended to look like. And I want to real quick just share three of them this morning. And I'll tell you up front that, that none of this stuff is like groundbreaking new stuff. Um, and, and really throughout, I said this in the first uh, message last week, in this series, I'm going to be sharing stuff with you that you've heard before. But I do that because I understand that vision leaks. Sometimes we forget stuff. We may not even forget it, but it just kind of drifts away. And before and along, we're kind of like, you know, running around with no restraint because we don't have vision. And so we need to be reminded of these things every once in a while. But the first metaphor that the Bible gives for the church is it says that the church is kind of like a body. This, in fact, is the most frequent uh, word picture in all of the Bible in regards to the church. Over and over and over again, through Scripture, the church is referred to as a body. Together, we are, are a part, we are parts of the body. Together, we complete the body. Let, let me show you just a couple of Scriptures. Look at Romans chapter 12. Paul writes this. Yes, Lord. Paul writes this. Is that my beard? Do I need to shave here? I'll pull this out a little bit. All right. So Paul writes this in Romans chapter 12. Just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of it. And it takes every one of us to make it complete, for we each have different work to do. If you have your Bibles, underline that. We each have different work work to do. So we belong to each other and, and each of us needs all the others. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says it like this. He, 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 he says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special 
work. Here it is again, its own special work. As we do that, Paul says, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now, now just a couple of things from these two verses. First, there is this reminder in both of them that in the body, it consists of different parts. In other words, we need to understand and embrace the fact that different is really good. Different is good. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, man, you're really different. You're really different, yeah. That's good. That's good. Different is good. That's a good thing. In fact, different is actually a God thing. That God is a creative God. And so when God created you, he made you unique. He, he made you an original. I love the fact that God is the God of diversity. I mean, if he wanted to, if God really wanted to, he could have made all of you exactly like me. Exactly. That would be horrible, wouldn't it? What a horrible church we would have if God did that. God loves diversity. He, he loves, he loves every color. He loves every shape, and some of us have more shape than others. He loves every, he loves every background. He loves every language. And, and here's the deal. If that's true of God, then don't you think it ought to be true of his church as well? In, in fact, one of the dreams that I have had for a long time for our church, and I've shared this before, is that, that, that I would love for our church nothing more than to just look like heaven's gonna look someday. L listen, not, any, not everybody in heaven is gonna look like you. Not, not everybody in heaven is gonna talk like you. Not, not everybody in heaven is gonna act like you. And one of my dreams as a church is I, I just want to see heaven manifest itself right here on earth amongst us. See, that's one of the things that Jesus said we ought to pray for, right? On earth as it is in heaven. See, see one of the awesome things about the kingdom is that you don't have to look like me. You don't have to talk like me. You don't have to think like me in order to be connected to me. And so the church consists of many parts. The second thing is this, is that not only does it consist of many parts, every single part is needed. Paul says it takes every part to make the body complete. Guess what that means? That means that this church needs you. The, the church needs you. The, the, the church needs you because every part of the body is important. And when you're the missing part, or when a, a part is not functioning in the way it was designed to function, or when one part would rather be another part, guess what happens? The entire body is impacted by that. And, and so if there, there are things that you don't like, about the way the church is functioning, if there's a ministry that's not happening that you think ought to be happening, 
Maybe it's because you're not doing it. Amen. That was good, wasn't it, Brian? That was true. Brian says that was true. Maybe it's because it's time for you to play your role. Hey, and I want to say this right here is that you, you guys know we're in this place of transition uh, in our children's ministry. Pastor Justin, uh, who served here for, for years and years and years, his last Sunday was, was last Sunday. And so we're in this time of transition as we're seeking God and how we move forward and seeking moving, or moving the right person in. And so can I just tell you that if there was ever a time that children's ministry need some, needed some people to step up, it's like right now. Okay, eight people really, really like that, but uh, no. If, if, listen, if this is something that we feel is important as a church, we're, we're, see, one of the dangers that a church can fall into is kind of a, kind of a hired gun mentality. That, you know, we, 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 instead of operating this way, that we operate under the mentality of like, we pay somebody to do that. You, you guys understand the role of a pastor, right? Scripturally speaking, the role of a pastor primarily is to equip the saints for acts of ministry. There, there are different gifts that we've been given. And so this is an area, I'm just going to challenge some of you. I'm going to be sending out an email this week. Some of you are going to get it. And I challenge you to pray about it and respond to it to help us kind of transition through. So that was just, this, that was all free. That wasn't even part of my message today. That was all free. That was, I'm, I'm sure that was the Holy Spirit. But, but, the, but the church needs you. And if you don't play your role, the entire body is impacted. Because this is how the church is intended to function. And, and so the way that we understand, again, this idea of different parts of the body play different roles. And so for some of us, he has designed us to be teachers and preachers. Others, he's given you the gift of hospitality. Some, he's blessed with the gift of administration. Some of you have skills to, to be able to take care of the physical structure of the building that we meet in. Listen, the bottom line is whatever gifts and talents God has given to you, he gave them to you because the church needs you. We need you. Everybody has a role to play. And listen, there may be parts or certain parts of the body that are more visible than others. The Bible talks about that. The reality is that even though some may be more visible, there are none that are more important than the other. It's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. In fact, Somebody, I'm pretty sure Laura's playing a trick on me because I, I like to put puzzles together in the wintertime when I can't go outside and, and hunt and fish and all that kind of stuff. And so I, the last three puzzles I have put together are all missing one piece. <laughs> I heard, those of you who do puzzles, I heard the groan. Is there anything worse than that to work and get down to one piece? You know what the most important piece in the puzzle is? The missing one. It's the missing one. And so all of us are a piece of the puzzle, and the puzzle's not complete unless we all play our part. This is the way it works in the church. If you don't fulfill a role in the body of Christ, it impacts the rest of the body. And listen, here's the deal. You will never, ever, ever fulfill God's purpose for life by yourself. 
you got to be connected. The, the body of Christ is, is okay, it's kind of like an eyeball would be useless all by itself, right? It'd be just weird having an eyeball around without the rest of the body. <laughs> Apart from the body, in fact, if a hand, if my hand was disconnected from my body, not only it would be useless, guess what would happen? It would actually die. Because the hand was designed to be connected to the body. And it's the same for us. We cannot be what we were designed to be without being connected. you got to be a part of the body. The, the second uh, metaphor or picture that the Bible uses that compares the church to a building. Now, now this one, this one kind of seems on the surface to go against what I just said a few minutes ago, that the church is people, not an event or a place that you attend. It doesn't. Because the, the Bible doesn't say that the church is a building. It says it's like a building. I want you to look at, at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And again, this is Paul. And he says this in verse 16. He says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If you jump back over to Ephesians chapter 2, he says this. He says, we who believe are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. And in Christ, you are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. Now, now I don't know if you noticed this or not. But in these short verses, there is one word that just keeps being repeated over and over again. It's the word together. Paul is very clear that following Jesus is not something meant to be done alone. It's, it's, we've talked, we talked about this last week. It's meant to be done in the context of community. Paul says this. He says, together, you are God's temple. Can't be a temple all by yourself. Alone, you're not a temple, you're just a brick. You know what they say? What's the, what's the, no, I'm not going to say dumb as a brick. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> alone, alone you're, you're just a brick. Together, you're being built in God's holy temple. I, I was thinking about this. Um, I, I was thinking back... Um, when I was younger, I used to work for a construction company, and uh, I spent, in a former life, I spent a number of years running roofing crews, and, and there are a few things that I learned from that experience that I think also apply to the church. The, the first thing I learned is that you can't build any structure with just one part. It, it, for instance, you can't, you can't build a wall with just two by fours, Right? You gotta have nails. You gotta have, um, you know, in order to build a wall, you gotta have sheetrock. You gotta have mud. You gotta have tape. In other words, if all you have is just one part, you're not gonna be successful in building anything. The second thing I learned is, is that a part is useless until it's connected. I mean, a pile of two by fours is not a house, it's a pile of two by fours. A, a two-by-four laying there by itself doesn't make a dwelling. It's only when that two-by-four gets connected to this two-by-four and this two-by-four and all of these other parts, then all of a sudden it becomes something. By, its own, by itself, it's, the only thing it's good for is firewood. And, and then thirdly, and this is really important, 
is a part, can be inside the house and still not be part of the house. Laura and I, when we lived in, in Kansas, we, we had the opportunity. We built our own home. It's the only home that we've ever built. And, and during the process, we were all excited. And so periodically, we would run by to check up on the progress. of. I mean, it's not, we weren't the ones out building it. We were having it built. But we would go check on the progress of it. And, and uh, I was thinking this past week, I, I remember when they were in the process of framing uh, the, the floor had been put in, the walls had been put in, the rafters had put in, the decking on the roof had been put in. Uh, but, but inside, laying on the floor, over here there were a pile of some two-by-fours, and over here there was some PVC pipe that had been brought in by the plumber so they could do their work, and there was a, uh, some electrical supplies, wire and stuff like that that was over here, and there was some sheetrock piled in one area. And all of that material, it was in the house... But it still wasn't part of the house. I mean, it was there, taking up space, but it, but it wasn't yet serving its intended purpose. And, and unfortunately, I think that's the story for a lot of people in the church. They come into the house, but they haven't taken that next step to become part of the house. By actually living out their intended purpose in order to strengthen the house. I want you to understand that part of the purpose of being connected to a local church is that it provides an arena for all of us to serve together by using our God-given talents and passions and abilities. All right, last, last one. The third picture of a church in the Bible, and this one is my favorite, is the Bible compares the church. He says it's like a family. One of the things that uh, belonging to a community of faith does is that it tangibly connects you to the family of God. This idea of family is central to our relationship with God. It's so important. In fact, it's so important, I would say this, that a Christian... Trying to live without a church family is no different than living like a spiritual orphan, all by yourself. Paul says this in 1 Timothy. He says, I want you to know how people who are members of God's family must live. He, he says, God's family is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Now, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, who elsewhere he refers to as his son. Now, what we know is that Timothy was not Paul's biological son. But, but because Paul takes this idea of being connected to, the spirit, to a spiritual family so seriously, what he does is he kind of takes Timothy, and he does this with others as well, is he takes them on as kind of like a spiritual son. And, and he tells Timothy, he says, Timothy, you got to understand, you've been adopted into this family of God, and, and there, there are some expectations as how we're supposed to live and operate as a family. In other words, there are some expectations that go along with being part of a family. Everybody has a role to play. Everyone in the family is expected to contribute to the family in some way. I think about, you know, at our house, it's just Laura and I living in the house right now, but there are certain tasks that I'm responsible for, and there are certain ones that Laura does. 
as we work together in order to make the house function. In fact, one of the things we, one of the deals that we have is Laura hates to cook, and so I do all of the cooking. And, and, and I hate to clean, so she does all the cleaning. And it's really a great deal because I make the messes and she cleans them up. I mean, what could be better than that? But, but we have different tasks. She doesn't like vacuuming the steps, and so I vacuum the steps. She, I think she's obsessed with doing laundry. She loves, she will not let me touch laundry, but she does all the laundry. I take care of the yard. Uh, she, she does all of the, the, the vacuuming and all of the dusting. And she, it sounds like she does most of the stuff, which is pretty true. But, but anyway, um, there are certain tasks that we do, each of us do, and that's what makes the house function. This is the way families operate, right? We, we kind of develop roles where together we, we share certain responsibilities in the home and it's only when everyone is pulling their weight that, that the home really functions the way it's intended to function. Guess what again? This is the way the church is designed by God to function. This is how we're intended to operate. God has given each of us abilities and resources. And when we take and we employ them together, what happens is it not only ensures that the home is cared for, but it also ensures that ministry gets accomplished and the family functions the way it's intended to function. One last passage of scripture. I'm going to invite Brian to come and help me as we close this out. But one last passage of scripture. This, this is the Apostle Paul talking, and he talks about the, the, these two different commitments that, that are expected from every single person who gives their lives to Jesus. I mean, this is repeated over and over and over again in various ways through Scripture. He says this. He says, first, they gave themselves to the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, your soul, and your strength. And then he says, by God's will, they gave themselves to each other. Love your neighbor as yourself. Live in relationship with God. Be connected with God. And don't forget, Jesus said this is equally important that you connect yourself with other people. Lock arms with a community of believers. Become part of the the body. Become part of the house. Become a functioning part of of the family. See, what Paul is saying here is he's saying, anybody who calls themselves a Christian, these two commitments are non-negotiables. You gotta make these commitments. First, you become a Christian by giving yourself to Christ. But then there's another step that you make, and that is when you connect yourself to a group of like-minded people. So sometimes we go through life wondering, you know, I wonder what God's will for my life is. You don't have to wonder about this because God's word has made it very clear. In fact, if you're, you're here this morning, whether you're in person here or you're joining us online, And you've never taken that first step. You've never committed your life to Jesus. Listen, I want you to know that this morning, before you ever step foot through the doors of this church, I prayed for you. 
I, I really did. I, I, I prayed and I felt like God dropped in my, my spirit that there are gonna be those who are here today who are disconnected and I want to move them from this place of disconnection to connection. And so you may not even have known it when you came in. I mean, you may, you may have thought you came for other reasons, to hang out with somebody that you like to hang out with, which is cool. But God brought you here for another purpose. And so I wanna invite you this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around. This is just, this, these moments, we're not gonna take a long time, but these moments are just between you and God. And so I wanna invite you this morning. If God has spoken to your heart and if you're not connected to him, now's the moment, man. And it's really very simple. Again, Jesus said, I didn't come to burden you with a bunch of heavy weight that you can't carry. He said, I came to provide a means of rest for you. I came to rescue you. I came to bring deliverance. And so I wanna invite you, if you are here this morning, you say, man, I'd love to take that step. If this thing is really real, then I want it. Nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. Just real quick, lift your hand up. I'm not gonna call you out, embarrass you. I just wanna know that I'm including you in this prayer. Anybody here say, that's me. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. You can put your hands down. Father, this morning, as we take this moment and pause, and I invite those who have lifted their hands just to, to take this prayer that I'm gonna pray and in the quietness of their own heart, just turn it back to you. Make it their own words to you. Father, this morning, I, I pray for each one who's, who has said, I wanna take this step. And so this morning, I, I invite you just in the quietness of your heart to say, Jesus, I receive you today. I confess I'm a sinner. I've been separated from you. I've been disconnected. And today, what I really want is con to connect myself to you. So I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I, I, I wanna take your yoke upon myself, give you control of my life, allow you to cause the shot. I'm trusting that as I do that, that you'll fulfill your end of the, the promises that you will provide rest for my soul. And so I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Hey, I, I think we, we, we ought to do this probably more often, but I think we ought to just say yay God for those who made that decision today. I, I wanna challenge the rest of you who are here before you leave today, that if you're connected to Jesus and you've been a part of the house, but you really haven't been connected by applying your own gifts and talents and abilities, man, there's no better time to do that than to plug in, find a place to serve, Contact one of the pastors. Say, man, I, I, I've got to lay this on my heart and I want to be a part of it. Or I don't even know where I'm supposed to, but I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of the house. See, I believe that God is doing something special at Connecting Point that he wants to build and use as he launches us out. We're in a phase of launching. And it's going to take all of us in order to fulfill the mission that God's given to us. So, so, so this is your formal invitation to be connected to Connecting Point and connect others to Jesus. 
Go and have a great week. Go Chiefs. See you next time. <laughs>